0: We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heartwork. work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee, to get through the day, and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. I am super, super happy because it is a cool, chilly fall day, which is my favorite, and in honor of the Wife Project launching again for the final time on November 7th, I have the hubby. <laughs> the hubby here with me today. And I have two hours um, worth of content about this, about the spiritually dry or unbelieving spouse on the Wife Project with journaling pages and questions and really intentional challenges to help you walk through it. And so I thought, what better way than to hear from a couple who has walked through it, and I've shared this in bits and pieces, but you guys have never heard us talk about it, about the struggle that we kind of had with my expectations of a leader and Jesse's struggle with his faith and kind of the back and forth that he felt. And so we want to talk about what hurt and helped him that I did and what hurt and helped me when I was struggling with my own faith. And so I want to begin with Philippians 2, 3. It says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others, including your spouse, as more significant than yourselves. And so as we look through scripture, we see that husbands are called to love their wives as their own bodies. And they all take care of themselves. They're If they're thirsty, they get a drink of water. If they're hungry, they grab a snack. If they need a shower. They take time to bathe themselves. And that selflessness is is a calling on our lives as well, even when our spouse is struggling with their faith. We want to care for them, love them, not nag them or pressure them or blame them even. And so when Jesse and I first started dating, I tried to force your hand in your leadership of me. And I still remember when we were saying our vows and at the wedding and your dad said, I'm so thankful for Lindsay because she brought you back to your faith. And so For me, kind of still being a very new believer and having this understanding, I thought, okay, it's permanent now. Like Jesse's teaching as a youth pastor. He is solid, like he's a pastor's kid. He's going to lead me as I expect, which means like getting me in the Bible every morning and praying with me every morning and, you know, leading community groups and wanting to take on this role that now that I, know you um, in a deeper way, I realize that is not the role that God designed you for. So I'd love to start by hearing a little bit about your walk. Like what has been the main kind of core battle that you have faced in your relationship with Jesus coming out as a pastor's kid and even as somebody who taught on the pulpit? Where does that battle come from?
1: Growing up in the church, it's a different upbringing, I think than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And and when I say growing up in the church, it's just, I'm referring to specifically, my parents were heavily involved, meaning we were at the church. Like it was school, sports, and then church at nighttime and church on the weekends and church Mm -hmm. on, you know, any any free time we had, it was at the church. And so that aspect, really affects my life because it's you're you're so heavily involved in it your entire life and you're young you're going through middle school and puberty and you're going through high school and you're going through these experiences where people are playing with alcohol they're you're sexually sexually tempted with girls now and trying to battle that while going to church while having these new desires and and stronger desires for those things so i think growing up in the church it's it's hard because you you have so many emotions going on and i can think back to so many times when i emotionally felt so connected with jesus in my walk and i felt so close and personal with him and then i had other moments where I felt so, so heavily involved and happy in the sin that I was partaking in at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so dealing with those emotions and battling with both of them as a young kid, I, I think it's just hard. It's difficult. And so you go through that for so many years. I mean, 18, 20 years of that, it's hard because our minds start to normalize things. And so that struggle and that battle of going back and normalize
0: forth. Normalize
1: what? Do you start to normalize like falling into temptation mm-hmm. and then coming back to Jesus. And I think when a lot of new believers or believers are people that find Jesus later on in life, it's more of like this black and white turn. Like me. Because yeah, yeah. because they've had twenty they've years or 25, 25 years of pure sin and mm-hmm. whatever else they were involved in. And then Now they met Jesus and they realize, oh, this is, this is satisfying. This this fills my void, not that. And it's not even that it's this permanent joy because we still have so much sadness and depression and stuff that we deal with now, but Mm -hmm. it's different. It's different in the sense of this, I see the truth and I'm just going to focus on this. Whereas when you're younger, it's, you start to normalize, like for a year you were reading and studying and going on retreats and, Having these very emotionally connected moments with, you know, kids from church and Jesus, and then you have a a solid year where you're indulging in the other stuff, and then you go back and forth. And I'm just saying, it's I personally felt like my mind started to normalize that throughout my life, so justify it and justify it. This is just the Christian walk. Yeah, and
0: Jesse's friends didn't they even have an. Nicknames for you for like when you were walking with Jesus and when you were being super <laughs> sinful, yes, yes.
1: They my buddies would call me the Jits whenever when you
0: were not walking with yeah. Jesus,
1: and so so that's even crazy, too, right? Growing up in the church, my friends knew that I was having like these I don't these even know what you call them flesh
0: yeah. and well, spirit, yeah.
1: well, that and they also were firsthand witnessing when I was a different person and I mean, they're seeing the, this two faced person kind of growing up and it's hard because like I said, you have emotional times when you're connected to Jesus. And then when you're connected with sin Mm -hmm. and you love them both when you're growing up, there's just so many emotions there. And so, yeah, it, it was, it was very uh, hard going through that. And then later on in life when you have your freedoms and, You know, going back to what you were asking about, my dad saying you kind of brought me back, it was more of feeling like we're hitting a stable point Mm -hmm. in life, or I'm hitting a stable point in life. I think I was 22 or 23 years old. I went through this college phase where I was, I totally was, you know, moved out. I don't
0: like to hear about that phase of your life.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) I know about it.
1: But, you know, moving out of the house, moving into my own apartment. And going on, you know, drinking sprees and just had nothing to do with the church for Mm -hmm. for years. And then still filling that void, though, and still having moments where, I I mean, you know, I've told you and other friends, like having these very intense moments where I have a, a dream multiple times back to back, like to bring me back to Jesus and that pursuit of Jesus coming at me, you know, trying try, trying to bring me back to him. And so I think filling that stable time when me and you were getting ready to get married, it helped me on a mental level just say okay, like I've had I've had that time. I know that that's not satisfying. I know that it's just bringing more depression and hurt and more of a void and I want to focus on marriage and Jesus.
0: So, a question I have as a mama is is there anything that your parents could have done or your or your friends or anyone in the church that they could have done to prevent this in your life as you look back?
1: Well, there's just not really any way of knowing for certain like if something would or wouldn't have helped because friends and family did things to
0: Maybe what did help you? What was something, if you can think back to one or two things, that really impacted you?
1: It was more emotional, though. And for me, again, going through the church and being raised in it my whole life and going through this back and forth thing, I truly feel like that vision of God being the artist and the sculptor and a block of marble— being there and no one not really knowing what that block of marble is, but Jesus is constantly chiseling at it. He's making a statue. He's working on me personally Mm -hmm. is, is the only thing that I could think of that would make sense to me. I I mean, my, my sister, she used to
0: lecture you. She used to lecture (laughs) me
1: all the time when She she still does. Yeah. And she still does. And she still, and she always knew though, she had like this, a very good discernment when I was walking away from the Lord or when mm-hmm. not even walking away, like just when I was kind of more indulging in the sin life. Yeah. And she's she, she knew and would have me over very. Cut your uh, hair. Sneakily. Yeah. <laughs> she would try to cut my hair or she would have me over for a Frappuccino. And then we would get in this in-depth conversation where she's calling me out on stuff that I'm getting involved in. mm mm-hmm. And I hated those talks. And then I loved those talks. So I think that those things helped in a sense of keeping the conviction there. Because I had moments where I was wanting to accept full-on atheism. And it was when I'm being honest with myself and I look back, it was more of a selfish thing is I didn't want to believe in Jesus because sin was fun. Mm -hmm. And because I loved my buddies so much that I wanted to, be living life with them, yeah. like I had fun with those guys. They
0: and not carrying that weight of conviction every time they I did something. Yeah,
1: I didn't want to have the conviction. Yeah. And I also had moments where, you know, you get trapped into this. Well, maybe you know, maybe the science is right. Maybe you know, all these theories are right. I guess I wouldn't say science, but theories. Maybe these theories are right, and you want to believe them because you don't want to have that conviction. Mm-hmm. anymore. And you want to kind of do your own thing. So I think those talks in a sense helped with keeping it in my brain that I need that I had to keep thinking about it. Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't well, and, have
1: anyone give up on me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Two thoughts. Vanessa is his sister and um, she's wonderful. And she uses a lot of examples and analogies and a lot of apologetics, not anything that she's like studied in depth. It's just the way her mind works. She's actually an author of this book, The Forest of Arrows, and she wrote this book, hundreds and hundreds of pages. It's a trilogy in what felt like overnight. Like her mind is just so amazing. But she, the way she views God in the Bible is really fascinating to me. And I've heard her conversations with Jesse, and even the one she's had with me. But it was always really encouraging to me because she just knew the word and she cared so much about you and about your family and all of your siblings that she was always there, even when she felt like you were a total wreck.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think everyone was like, you, you just, I'm trying to think now of like mm-hmm. what things happen that may have helped me. And the other day, when we were in here, I was playing, you know, worship music, which we don't always have blaring Mm because the kids are watching a show or, Mm -hmm. you know, playing with their friends. But I, at that moment, I was thinking of growing up, my dad always had worship music playing. Mm -hmm. My dad was reading to us out loud all the time. And I missed those times and Mm -hmm. I enjoyed those times and hearing his voice and him lead us in a lot of those stories that were going on. So can I
0: tell you something? That I was sitting upstairs last night. Wow. So I was getting the boys ready for bed and folding some clothes, and you were downstairs doing dishes um, just for set the scene for everybody. And I heard you worshiping just like at the top of your lungs to the song, Yes, I Will. And I just like broke down in tears because I have prayed for that for a long time. Not that you. We'll get into this, but not that you don't love Jesus. You have always loved Jesus and you've always sought truth and you are always in the word or listening to debates or whatever it might be. But the passion and the heart behind that was just like, man, I haven't heard that in a while. And that's what brought this on, this conversation the following day was I just want to kind of, for people to one, hear the hope in that and to see that it's not always going to look like that. It's going to be up and down. Our faith is never intended to be this perfectly solid, straight line because, I mean, we look at people who walked with Jesus and doubted Him. Thomas said, I need to literally put my finger through the hole of your hand (laughs) in order to believe that this is real. Doubt is a part of the Christian walk. And so kind of going into that, I was going to mention also your family and just that prodigal son mindset where they always welcomed you back and always had open arms and loved you in the thick of your mess and the hardship. And I would say that coming into marriage now, having some years of the expectations of leadership, can we transition to that and talk about what expectations I had that you remember and how that made you feel and how it affected you?
1: If I recall correctly, you do. um, We well, we were going to Mars Hill. So yeah,
0: everyone. I I haven't really announced that.
1: Yeah, we'll have to have a
0: whole conversation about that one day.
1: We were going there, and the mindset for men and marriage was very different. I think that had a big impact on, like, one how quickly we kind of pushed things along, and but we felt at the time, you know, we felt like this this was right. This is what we needed to do and the church obviously backed that. But I think going into that, you know, I was serving at the youth group and studying for that. I was also going to school for nursing and working. Mm -hmm. And so that point in time was a difficult one. I mean, we didn't have the kids, but on our free time, it was like the evenings I was studying for school or studying for a teaching. And I think you know, those those things kind of made it difficult because the teaching side is, and if anyone knows me, I kind of go all in or nothing mm-hmm. with a lot of things. And so for the teaching for the youth group, part of me was like, well, you know, should I pursue being a teacher? And I wanted to devote a lot of time to that. And in doing that and devoting a lot of time for it, I would spend a lot of time researching and reading and all that stuff. And that kind of would upset you
0: you married a needy wife <laughs> you learned of that pretty quickly <laughs> but
1: but you would you would get upset with my study time and yeah. I remember trying to be as intentional as as possible too because I knew that teachers were held to a higher standard and I wanted to uphold being a good husband I wanted to uphold being a good steward with God's word. I didn't want to mislead anyone or have wrong information. Yeah. So trying to do both those things and the, in the place that we were at, you know, it was at the time seeming like this is just not the right path because it was causing, you know, a divide between us. Mm -hmm. And that was confusing for me because I would, my prayer time to God was like, I don't understand this. Like I'm here trying to the best man that I could when I, from what I know biblically and my wife is feeling like I'm not present because I'm trying to read about you and I'm trying to learn and have a
0: more personal relationship with God. Well it's interesting looking back at that because I agree with you and it's funny how these expectations in my heart and in just the human heart can be so unrealistic because I wanted all of you and all of your time and attention but I also wanted you to lead me perfectly and kind of with this expectation of fulfilling all of those duties. And yet I wasn't giving you the ability to be that man. And I think that even flows in to now because obviously things look a lot different than they did then. I give you more space (laughs) and, and allow you more time to study and do your research and things like that. But there is still also the aspect of, of wanting your time. Like you could be watching a YouTube video, a debate. I'm wanting that kind of attention from you still and wanting you to learn and wanting you to grow, but then withholding you. And I know that there are women on here who maybe withhold their spouses from being a part of like a Christian Bible study because it's inconveniencing their lives or it's inconveniencing their schedules. Or, you know, And I think there's a lot of women that would think, no way, I would totally push my husband to do that. But as soon as something becomes inconvenient, we become more selfish. And this is seen a lot with community groups and not wanting to join a community group because it's not convenient. And we have kids running around, and so it makes it harder. And we don't make it to church on Sunday because it's just inconvenient. But all of these things are steps in the direction of of strengthening your faith and your spouse's faith as well. So can you talk to the women who as we've grown in the past eight years, you know, in the struggles you've walked through, like your moments of just complete disbelief in prayer, you know, I just don't think prayer's real. And those really hard conversations that we've had around the dinner table with like our, my brother-in-law about just saying, I feel like maybe God wrote this letter and then stepped away and is no longer present. What are things that a spouse can do to help somebody who is walking through that confusion and that doubt and that real like very real distance from God.
1: It, it really is prayer. I, I think that an emotional, heartfelt prayer is just so important. And it's yeah. what you I think what you can be doing the most. Because again, going back to Jesus and the in the clay, right? Like he's he's making this sculpture. Mm-hmm. He's working on you. And you need to trust Jesus's process. I think there's a lot of things that people go through emotionally or have to go through on by themselves in order for them to become the person that God wants them to be. I mean, for me to be in the place where I'm at today, I just I had to go through ups and downs and times of doubt and times of study and times of being on my knees and times of, you know, crying out to God. Whatever it was, I had to go through those moments to get to where I am today and he obviously time wise it's irrelevant. To mm-hmm. us, it's very important because times it's ticking. Yeah. But God knows in the end what that end result is. Mm-hmm. And so He sees the future we, and the past. We need past. to trust that. Yeah. And I think if your spouse is someone that has a relationship or has had a relationship with Jesus and, you know, maybe just isn't as involved now, mm-hmm. just be praying. And and I think just doing your best to try to encourage your spouse whether it's you know stuff that you're doing i think the what's detrimental is when we're saying you should be reading more or you should be praying or you should do this or that or you should get involved this way instead you know maybe you have to whether you're the husband whether you're a husband right now listening or the wife and it's your spouse that's struggling like you take on the totem pole and you just mm-hmm. say i'm going to move forward and you know, I'm going to go to church yep. on Sunday. And like we've done that before. We've had times where we've struggled, and you're like, hey, I'm going to the church with, kid, with the kids, yeah. and I stayed home. And during that time, I have my own one-on-one time with God where I'm like, man, I should have gone to church with my kids. Mm-hmm. But if I would have gone begrudgingly to church with you because you forced me to—
0: it I would have might, created resentment toward you. Yeah, me. I would have yeah. created
1: this resentment, and it would it would be ongoing, and creating more and more tension in between us. Mm-hmm. Versus you, without, you know, trying to make me feel like a horrible person, moving forward with your relationship with God. Because I think if you're trying to show your spouse that your relationship is real and true with Jesus, then you're going to be moving on with that relationship personally with Him, regardless of where your spouse is at. Yeah. And that should not be the determining factor of where your walk is at with Jesus. Amen. And well,
0: and that's why I say often, like you're not going into heaven holding the hand of your husband because it is your responsibility. It is your walk. And I I learned that too, what I feel like is too late, but I know God's timing is perfect and he moved in that way. But it was something for me where I had to come to a place and step up and just say, okay, I can't justify my lack of relationship with God or my lack of reading time or my lack of teaching my boys the gospel because my husband is struggling. And it was a moment of clarity for me to just acknowledge that I needed to live out my faith in obedience and not just blame you or point fingers at you or justify those actions. And I will say there was just a moment for me where that was it where God just said, Lindsay, I just, you need to pray. And I think we so often diminish the power of prayer and it is not something in any way that I'm perfect at, but it became this thing where I almost couldn't resist it on my heart when I would be driving or when I would be walking or when I'd be talking with friends, you know, to just stop and pray for my husband and not these little prayers, like show him how awesome of a wife I am, or show him, Um, that he needs to be a better leader, but instead praying for his relationship with Jesus. Because again, we're not here to point one another back to ourselves. Like, gosh, how many problems has that caused for us? Where it's like, you're hurting me, or look what you're doing to me or to our family. But to instead say, I love you, and I care about your eternity, and I care about your your joy and your sanctification and your salvation— And I want to help you get there, not nag you there so that you appease me because that's so damaging. And I think that when we pray to see our husbands as God created him to be, to see and use his strengths rather than diminishing what we consider to be his weaknesses, we see that God changes us as he changes our spouse. And so— there's just this pattern and I fell into it of being a dripping faucet to you where I was just on you. Like, well, if you would just read with the boys or if you would just read with me or why don't you do what that husband does and lead me in this way. And we tried Bible study together and just realized like we don't study the Bible in the same way. I would always remember always expect this like crazy emotional reaction out of you. When we would leave church, I would just say, okay, oh my gosh, I feel so inspired. And this is everything I learned and go on for 20 minutes. And I'm like, and what did you learn today? And what would you say?
1: Well, and it, it was You'd always, be like, it was good. <laughs> well, yeah. And that was, that's part of the problem. Not, I wouldn't say problem, but yeah. growing up in the church, a lot of those scriptures and teaching, you've heard them all. And, you know, you've, Listen to teachings in your car, your entire Mm -hmm. life. So, a lot of them, you know, it it was more of I was looking for information that was something I haven't heard before, presented maybe in a different fashion. Yeah. And so, when I would hear it, it was it was a non-emotional response. Response of you know maybe here was some archaeological fact that they pointed out and that was cool and I liked it or something. But yeah, and you would get upset though is what changed it. I didn't mind your the way you interpreted something. It was that it bothered you. Well, I
0: think a lot of it was felt, I felt maybe like I was being vulnerable. But actually, let's be real. I think it was just this sense of pride in me that I'm like, I am being filled. And look at all that I gained and acquired from this. And you're walking away with nothing. Like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And that was, it's a way for the enemy to get a foothold. And he did. Because then I grew, grew to resent you. I grew to feel like I I remember telling you one time, I feel like I married somebody different than I actually got. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember that. I know you do. That was a hard conversation. Um oh, you're so warm. Sorry guys, I'm putting my feet on his legs. My feet are so cold. But yeah, like I felt I had been deceived in getting married. And One, God doesn't make mistakes. And that covenant is between me and God. And we cannot expect that relationship with Jesus to look the same from when you're 23 to 32. It is going to look wildly different. It is going to change and transform and mold and grow. But I believe that just having that heart and what has helped me is to be quiet and to learn to be more quiet about it and to just pray for Him and not to go and bash him to my friends or talk about it with other people or pretend I'm seeking counsel just so that I can vent and unload, but to put that at the foot of the cross and just say, Lord, I trust you with my husband's heart. I know that he I know that he loves you. I know that he senses his conviction. And for those who married an unbelieving husband, whether you're facing the consequence of that decision as a Christian or you were saved within the marriage, I just want to encourage that there is hope, and I've heard so many amazing stories, but also it is not your job to save your husband. And I had to unload that burden off of my shoulders because I felt with you, Jesse, like I, I'm doing something wrong if I'm not being this First Peter 3 woman who is living in such a way that the gospel is just being poured out onto you without me even saying a word. I'm failing in that if you're not saved. I'm failing in that if you're not growing spiritually. But that isn't on the shoulders of the spouse. It really isn't. Like maybe you will never be that person to them. I am not that person to you. Like I may encourage you and you encourage me, but I'm not going to save you. There may be seeds planted and that's my heart and my goal and your heart and your goal within our marriage. But I don't I don't think that pressure helps because then we act out in a way that is either prideful or begrudging or resentful rather than prayerful.
1: Yeah. And I'd also say if You are someone that is, you know, married to or in a relationship with like a non-believing spouse or something. I think that although we do want to give them room, it it is good to know where they're at. I think in a sense of just having a good dialogue with Mm -hmm. them and trying to figure out what is important to them. You know, what types of things I think of, what's that book that we read, A Case for Christ with Lee Strobel, you know, his he, he's someone, and again, this is going back to how we all learn differently. You know, someone can be more on the emotional side, someone can be more on the archaeological, historical proof and evidence and stuff. And if your spouse is in a place like that where they're having trouble believing because they think there's, you know, no historical evidence or archaeological evidence or, you know, any type of proof like that, you know, maybe it's one of those things where you, change the way you're kind of learning and taking in the gospel to, to learn some of those things and saying, Hey, you know, I found this interesting piece. Check this out. Like, Hey, look at this news article. They actually found, you know uh, what was it? The area where they crossed the red sea, like yeah. they found chariot wheels and there's, you know, all this stuff. So like finding proof that may help your spouse too.
0: Cause it's I like think- the love languages are the personality types, like learning what their mind is. Um, is it drawn to yes. and what their heart is yeah. drawn to, and how it impacts them and their faith?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because that, that, you don't want to like just be completely unengaged either. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's just a balance in how you can help your spouse in their walk and mm-hmm. encourage them versus trying to push them in ways that aren't beneficial.
0: So, in closing, I think that something that we want you guys to consider and think through is. One, the fact that you're not here to save your spouse. You're here to love them and point them toward Jesus in a a way that reflects Jesus. And I think that's really important. And to break down those expectations that you live in because that leadership, that love, that that exemplifying Christ begins with a foundation of love and a concern for the other person and a compassion for the other person, not a domineering perspective. And so, if you're seeking God's heart and will for your life, and you have just this relationship with the Holy Spirit, then you have the capacity and ability to direct and love your husband with that same foundation that God has graciously offered to you. And so, in reality, and just in all honesty, It is to your detriment and the destruction of your marriage when you look down on your spouse for having less of a relationship with Jesus than you do. I did this. I fell into this. It's pride. I mean, and God hates pride. He says throughout the Bible, He hates pride. And it's to the benefit of the enemy for you to nag or make condescending comments when he doesn't want to attend church or read his Bible— So you as a helper to your husband or your husband as a leader to your spouse, you are a team and you come into this together as a team and you have to remember that you are not fighting against one another, but toward a greater good. I think it was your dad actually, babe, that said, it's like a triangle. If Jesse is working toward God and you're working toward God, you're going to hit the p- point of that triangle where you come together. But when you're going in different directions, you're never going to come together. And so if your spouse is not going in that direction, you keep moving up. You keep fighting for that relationship with Jesus. You keep fighting to be that example in that light of His love. So my question to you, uh, my last question would be, What is one thing that you would encourage a spouse in kind of seeing your joy increase with Jesus, your trust increase, your hope in Him increase, especially in this past year? What would you say to the spouse who feels like this is just never going to happen for our marriage?
1: Is to not compare, not, not to do that, not to be thinking that this will never happen or I'm not going to be this couple or that couple Mm because you're your own couple.
0: Yeah.
1: And God's going to design your relationship with your spouse how you guys should be. And I think it's just more of um, not looking at other people Mm -hmm. and just constantly praying for your spouse. And community, being involved in community. And community, yeah. But again, it, it comes down to that. It's like, if your spouse doesn't want to go to community group, you go to community group mm-hmm. and, you know, you get encouraged, you get filled up because what's going to happen when you come home, if you're filled and your cup is filled, you're going to be loving your spouse. Mm-hmm. You're going to be taking care oh, of your so spouse.
0: Fair. yeah,
1: And they're going to be wondering why, you know, your so loving, doing getting involved in these things in community group or church or whatever it is. Yeah. And sometimes it's not always like that. Obviously, there's there's trials and getting your kids and family to church, it's it's a stress sometimes. But I think it's going back to we know that God is the only one that is filling that void in life. Mm-hmm. And when he has that gap filled, it is A heck of a lot easier to be patient. It's a lot easier to be humble. It's a lot easier to be there and be present for your spouse and what their needs are. And so just focus and focus on the now and don't worry about where you should be or where you think you should be, because you're exactly where God wants you. And you just need to maybe in your prayer time, be focusing on Him more and 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 reading and studying and trying to just focus on that. And maybe your spouse will come alongside you and yeah. figure out, hey, what are you learning? What you know, hey, you know, internally, God has to change them.
0: Right. Thank you mm-hmm. for what it's worth. I've been really encouraged, and I just feel really encouraged that you're willing to talk about this and share. But like I said, hearing your heart. Last night, and just seeing, tell them what you bought real quick. <laughs> he's giving me a hard time because we get this huge Amazon package, and he's like, "Babe, what is this?" And then, what was it? No, no, you thought it was lights, well, yeah. and
1: I told her we do not need lights <laughs> for where she's trying to buy lights. We do. We don't, and we're going to send them back. But <laughs> <Do not. laughs> pride, you were just talking about this. I'm going to call you uh, out live. We need. Um, I found these really cool, uh, like stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. And um, I just, our boys don't know about that story. I think they're young. And so having a little prop like that would mm-hmm. be something to help them. But we asked them last night, you know, Sutton's six and Saxon's three, you know, they're both about to be four and seven.
0: And they go to Bible study. And they, they go to, to Bible study and they, had, they could yeah. not
1: tell us what one of them was. Yeah. And that goes on, on us. us. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely on us. And I want to just be more, present and teaching them those Mm -hmm. things and being there with them to go through these stories together. So yeah, Yeah. I bought them this tablet. I want to like go over the story with them. And that goes into, which we can talk about another time, but just more of growing up in the church, you can get caught up in the in depth, like how am I supposed to be living my life and all this doctrine and there's doctrine, doctrine, doctrine that you can get caught up in for days and years. And when it comes down to it, you know, God says, um, you know, we need to accept Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. And if we love him, we will know and obey his commandments. And those things, I think I just want to kind of help our kids with and just knowing and yeah. being being present there with them. So,
0: yeah. Because yeah. that impacts the way that they live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to leave you guys with this thought that the ultimate submission to Jesus is the act of trusting him with your spouse when it comes to your marriage. And so just knowing this isn't on you. This is something that you can lay at the foot of the cross, hand it to the Lord and take responsibility and ownership of your own walk with the Lord. And so as I mentioned before, this entire... Kind of teaching is two hours long. There is a lot more scripture, um, a lot more context, a lot more practical advice within the Wife Project journal that we have in the Wife Project, and it's launching November 7th. woo So check it out. Um, it is 10 hours, eight and a half weeks worth. We have people who go together, go through it with a community group and with Bible studies or on their own, and you'll have lifetime access, and you can go through it at your own pace. So click the link in my show notes or just go to the link in my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay and you can sign up for the wait list and be notified as soon as it launches on November 7th. So we love you guys. Thanks for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, as always, it means the world. If you would tag me at Living Easy with Lindsay and share anything that you gained from it or just let people know that you enjoyed it, allow them to hear the hope and the truth of God's word for their marriage. We love you guys and we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.